Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report post-game podcast, Energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledyard from PewterReport.com on a victory Sunday evening after the Bucks stave off the Bills' amazing comeback attempt, and they achieve victory in overtime on a 58-yard touchdown pass from Tom Brady to Brashad Perryman with me to talk about and break down this wonderful, awful, exciting horrifying game <laughs> scott reynolds and paul owl also from pewter report and guys i'm excited this was uh this was something that had everything man if you we were going wow. in skeptical and griping you have something to talk about if you thought this team would blow the doors off the bills and be awesome the whole time you have something to hang your hat on i mean this has from every perspective if you like the Brashad perryman move there's stuff to talk about if you didn't there's obviously stuff to talk about so a, a real fun one scott and obviously the bucks coming away victorious allows us to smile but it almost wasn't that way yeah it almost got to the point where you were you were going to win John. Your, your prediction was going to come true there i forgot was, about the prediction it was really a tale of two halves it really was i mean you look at, at tampa bay just owning the first half and then just not being able to get much done offensively in the second half i think the bucks defense wore down um you know the, the thing about about the running game is any team is susceptible to getting run on if there's enough carries, if there's enough yards, if there's enough time, if the score is what it is, and uh, it, and it's not too far gone. Um, and you saw that. You saw the, the Bills just really wear down the Buccaneer defense. Um, and I think Shaq Barrett said it best. Maybe it was Shaq after the game. He said, we were expecting them to come out throwing the ball, and they came out running the ball. Now, the crazy thing is the Bills were incredibly inefficient on third down. They were only 2 of 13, completing 15%, or I should say converting 15% of their third downs. The Bucks, meanwhile, were 8 of 16 on third downs for a 50, 50% conversion rate. Most of those were in the first half. They struggled on third downs in the, in the second half. But gosh, 173 yards rushing by the Bills. Uh, they averaged 9.1 yards carry and a lot of that was of course josh allen those quarterback designed runs yeah um you know that that's the difference really at the nfl level because you're talking about 11 on 11 at that point in time so many times it's it's 10 on 11 when the quarterback turns around and hands the ball off right but josh allen 12 carries 109 yards average 9.1 yards per carry 23 yards was his longest run he had the big touchdown to help bring the bills back uh, Singletary only had four carries, but he had 52 yards on those carries yeah. for 29 yards. So uh, they they were able to use an effective mix of run yeah. and pass in the second half to keep the Bucks defense guessing and off balance. Yeah. And the Bucks just struggled to get off the field. Yeah, it's crazy. And Paul, I, I'm going to get your thoughts here in a second. But the the Bucks run defense, we're going to talk about it more later in the show because it's kind of a sub note to this game. But the Bucks run defense from nickel and from light boxes becoming such a negative for them because Devin White can't do anything in those situations. Like if he's not protected up front and allowed to run around, it's just, it's like an automatic successful run to wherever he is on the field right now because he struggles so much in those situations. So yeah, Bill's being able to kind of go in and, and, and run the football in the second half. And when the bucks were in those looks, obviously the bills, you know, trailing by a lot. So it made it 
suitable looks, but those are the situations where the Bucks are getting run on the season. Not in base, but not when it teams normally run it, but when you know, you're not expecting it. And again, it's not seven, eight yard gains, which you would live with in those spots. It's 25, 30 yard gains. And that's where it gets uh, to be a killer. Paul, you and I were obviously on the live stream. This was the quarterback match of the people wanted to see in a lot of ways. Brady dominated yeah. the first half. Allen dominated the second half. Brady made the play when it mattered most at the end of the game. Made a couple of plays, honestly, but it mattered most at the end of the game. Allen had a shaky first half. Brady had some shaky points in the second half. He missed a couple throws we don't normally see a miss. Obviously had some great plays as well. Uh, what were your observations watching these two quarterbacks in this game? Yeah, so I, I think you nailed it with in terms of, you know, first half being Brady's half, second half being Allen's half. But to me, the biggest change in the second half was the play calling on the Bucks side. Yeah. I don't think they put – after that masterful performance in the first half, John, we were talking about all the reasons why schematically why what the Bucks were doing was so good. That all went out the window in the second half. And it was I was so ready to just fully hop on the left-wish train and because he was doing so much cool stuff. But in the second half, John, there was inexcusable stuff. The biggest example that comes to mind is that deep shot to Godwin off of play action where Brady's rolling out. That's not just because Brady's chucking it deep recklessly. That's the only option he has. That's yeah. the only receiver to that side of the field. It's a Godwin deep route, and there are two receivers to the other side, and they're doing like a smoke route or something. So there's not even an underneath option in that situation where really the Bucks are just trying to kill the clock, and not to mention all the first down runs unsuccessful. So to me, it was the play calling that changed more from half to half rather than just the players. Obviously, there was ex execution stuff, but the biggest change was play calling. Yeah, yeah it's I funny admit. because you're good, Scott. I was going to say, I, I'm not sure, but maybe, just maybe, after they regulation, ran out of energy. <laughs> the Buccaneers went and got themselves some Celsius on the sidelines. I can't say that as a fact because I don't know it, but guys, I know I had a Celsius at 3 o'clock today. That has powered me through this game. It's going to power me all night long as Peter Report cranks out the coverage, the post-game coverage of this big-time win that gets them to 10-3. and three. John, you've said it all along. Celsius has got no sugar, no preservatives, and what I love about it, guys, is no crash. I crushed the Fuji apple pear earlier today. I like to mix it up between this, the creamsicle, the orange. John, what did you have earlier today? I got the strawberry guava. I'm still, I got a little bit left in it. It's, it's sustaining me right now. There you go. The show. Exactly. If you want to find out where to get Celsius, it's real simple. Go to PeterReport.com. When you're reading our post-game coverage, click on those Celsius banners. Then type in your zip code. They'll, they'll pull up right there. Or you can go to Celsius.com. Click on the store locator. Find where they sell Celsius near you, whether it's at a convenience store, whether it's at a health and fitness store, whether it's at a grocery store. Try the different flavors. Once you find the flavor or flavors, it's going to be more than one. Go to Amazon.com. Then you can click on the subscribe and save. Buy them in bulk. Save money. They'll ship them right to your house. You don't have to even go out and look for it. And that way you don't run out of Celsius. Celsius, proud supporter of the Peter Report podcast. Yeah, for sure. And Celsius, obviously great stuff always. But, you know, Paul, I want to come back to your point there because, yeah, I agree with you that play calling. There was a couple of play calls in the second half I didn't like. There were also Brady missing a couple throws that he definitely should have made and, and typically does make. And so that was frustrating too. Um, there was just execution stuff as well. Like, you know, and, and then the first down runs, you and I talked about those. Like this was, despite the fact that Lenny ended up with hundred yards, like 70 of them came on two carries in this game. They were not very efficient on a snap to snap basis uh, running the football. And so there were a lot of, you know, predictable run situations that they ran it in and that 
they were having success outside of those, I thought, at other points in the game. So that was a concern to me too. But, you know, at the end of the game, let's just talk about the final drive there. I mean, Buffalo, let's just kind of start at the end and work our way backward maybe here. But Buffalo launches this punt. I mean, a 63-yarder. It looked like this Matt Hawk dude for the Bills had maybe won them this game. I mean, what an unreal punt in a huge situation to pin the Bucks deep. The offense had struggled. They had three points in the entire second half. Uh, they had really only moved the ball truly successfully once. They'd had opportunities like crazy. You know, we talked about two from inside the Bills, 40-some. We'll talk about those later as well. But come out, and they get that first down on the third and one. And what was your thoughts there? Because I know over on the Bills side of things, I've already checked Bills' Twitter. They're all talking about that call was controversial. To me, they called it on the field that he got the first down. And I thought the replay showed that he got the first down. It was barely, you know, he just got it. But I thought there was a pretty clear shot down the line that showed him reaching the marker. I, no reason to overturn that. And, and I thought they made the right call on the field, too. Are you asking Scott? Sure, anybody. Oh, go for <laughs> well, it, Paul. Uh, yeah, that, that was – I thought he was short until we finally got that one angle from the side where you saw Fournette get that one final little push. And I actually then, and then like you pointed out on the live stream, I thought it was actually a really good uh, spot. But I wish they had a better process of doing it. But, yeah, that was a tough drive. But all the first down runs, John, we always talk about sequencing, right? Neither – I don't think either of us – want the Bucks to run less we just want them to change their frequencies they're so unbalanced on first down and even more unbalanced on second down they just they throw over 80 percent of the time on second down because they're in second and long so often whereas what they did in that first half was set themselves up with short second downs so then they can do anything they can run it more often if they're in those short second downs more often right yeah and that was kind of the big issue in the second half Right. 16 third downs in the game. It's like, oh, you'd like to be in a little little less of those, you know, obviously. If, eight, eight, eight for 16 is great, but just get, don't, right. you can't be there 16 times. That's too much. Yeah, that's right. Because even if you're 50%, which is a great percentage, it's an awesome percentage, half it's your drives sustainable. are sustainable. And so, yeah, yeah that's, it's still not great. So you got to avoid those situations there. All right, uh, Scott, uh, we talked about the MVP race going into this one. I think yeah. We said clearly on the podcast leading up to this game that if Brady has a great game and they get a win against an opponent like Buffalo, then the MVP award pretty much should be locked up. And yeah, there were a couple of throws he probably liked that back in this game, but overall, obviously a great performance by Brady and a couple of his best throws of the year for sure oh, yeah. to Evans in that first half. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I think too, it's like, remember when, when Kyler Murray threw that Hail Mary touchdown uh, um, against the bills, uh, ironically, to uh, Topkins, right? That was that was replayed on ESPN Sports Center. That was viral on on Twitter, mm -hmm. and and that really got Kyler Murray into the Pro Bowl over Tom Brady because it was such an electric play. I think Brady had one of those signature plays right here. This walk off touchdown, although it wasn't as maybe dramatic as as a hail mary touchdown where where D Hop goes up over two or three guys and grabs it. It still counts as a game-winning walk-off touchdown in overtime against a big-time opponent, most of the nation watching this game. So, yeah, I think these these three touchdowns, remember Brady had one, there was a rushing touchdown, um, plus a couple of those highlight runs that Brady had, right? He picked up three first downs with yeah. his legs. So I, I think this is the type of performance, 363 yards passing, 16 yards rushing, three total touchdowns that just catapults him into the MVP lead, if he wasn't there already, and 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 certainly a, a Pro Bowl season for Tom Brady, he deserved it last year with 40 touchdowns, yeah. right? And and he's he's knocking on that already with with a, a month's worth of football left. 
And this was interesting too, because in this game, you know, the going into this game, the Bills had not allowed a 300 yard passer the season. Brady right. gets 363. He was at th- over 300 before the Perryman play to end the game. So he gets a 363, two touchdowns, scored another on the ground, was 31 of 46, 67% completion rate. You know, he kind of checked all the boxes that you wanted to see from a statistical did, perspective, yeah. which is how those awards are, are decided, as we all know. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, what is he up to? Am I? Trying to do is he 36 or 38 touchdowns now? This 36 season? passing touchdowns okay. plus two on the ground this year, so he's got 38 okay. total. Yeah, okay, yeah. And a great super chat here from Brian. This was a season changing win. I think had the Bucks lost their psyche, would have been damaged for the rest of the season, and the number one seed would be all but gone. I don't know about that. See, I, I don't know because the Buccaneers had two quote unquote crushing losses last year, right? To the Rams on Monday Night Football. Uh, and that was yeah. an AFC, that was an NFC game. And then the Chiefs game, right? I mean, they got destroyed in the first quarter. They but weren't came, they kind of a team finding their way in those games? Scott, was it a little bit of a different, different. story? Yeah, yeah was but it, because of the I, I don't think this is a psyche crushing loss for the Buccaneers if they lose at all. I think they still win the NFC South easily. They still oh, yeah, have yeah. A, a first round home playoff game. I think I think they would have shrugged this off. No big deal. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think it would have been disappointing, no doubt. I think that they would have yeah. certainly – um learn from this loss you know just yeah. like like bruce arians and tom brady say it's always football is going to teach you lessons it's more yeah. important to learn those lessons after a win than a loss but i don't think this would have been psyche crushing i disagree yeah i i see brian's perspective but i agree with you this team's strong mentally i think they would have been able to rebound win four to close it out and, and finish the season with a great record obviously 14 and three and yeah. uh, but you know or i guess if they would have lost 13 to four but um, yeah, the fact that they're able to win the game is great. I, and I think Paul, you'll agree with me on this, Paul, is that like we always talk about, like, okay, we're looking at the process of the game, and like the Bucks defense probably not as good as they play in the first half. You, we've talked about it so much. Like, if they aren't getting pressure, if Todd Bowles isn't getting pressure with his blitzes, as soon as that gets figured out, his defense just gets cooked. Like, it's like it's the same thing every week, every game. Like, it's you know, teams that don't figure it out all game are like the Bears, and so it's 35 3 at the end of the game, and, and you know, your defense plays great. But for the most part, if you can figure out what he's doing in terms of pressure, and they obviously did in the second half, then you're definitely looking at, at a defense that struggles. But offensively, I looked at this game and I thought the Bucks are everything that we thought they could be offensively, even against a great defense. And that was like key for me because they played some good defenses, honestly. They haven't played many good offenses this year, but they played good defenses this year for sure. And you know, the Bucks have kind of come out and 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 It'll look good for parts, and but this was the best defense they would have faced. You know, all due respect to New England, beginning of the year, week four, you know, New England might be the best now, but this was, in my opinion, the best, especially in taking away what the Bucks like to do. And the Bucks just found answers, and I thought their process was pretty good for most of the game. And again, I know we go back to late in the game. I thought the play calling was a problem, but I, I still do get stuck a little bit on those two drives, one from the 42 or one from the 45 after Sherman's interception, one from the 42 thought they had opportunities to convert in both of those situations, get first downs. They didn't execute in those spots and left points on the field. They come away with no draw, no points on two drives to start from the 45 or 42. I mean, you come away with even two field goals in that spot. That game's probably over, right, Scott? And so you look at yeah. back at those two drives and you say, man, as much as you might gripe about some stuff at the end of the game, those were opportunities lost. And if this team can just do it for four quarters, and that's yeah. why I just don't know if they can, but – yeah, man, they even doing it for two and a half or whatever it ends up being, they still end up with good victories against good teams. John, we said at halftime of of the the Pewter um, game day show that that the Bills had the ball to start the second half, and I think it was a little bit deflating and a little bit maybe invigorating 
a little bit deflating for the Bucks, a little bit invigorating for the uh, the Bills when you know when Richard Sherman gets that interception, right? And and they don't cash in on that. I thought yeah. I thought that that really extended the game for Buffalo, right? I think if they would have got a oh, touchdown yeah. there, you go up thirty-one-three. I mean, the dagger is in the Bills. It just is. Yep. But when you sit there and you do the math on it and say, okay, if they, they can get a touchdown, now it's a two touchdown game, and if and you get the entire second half to kind of chip away at that, it's thirty-one to three. It's a lost cause, right? It, it just it, it is. But I I think that that um, that this game was close because not just because the defense allowed the Bills to come back. I I don't think this was on defense so much as it was on the offense. I think the offense had plenty of opportunities to extend drives, to put more points on the board than they did. Uh, this this was a game that should have been in the 40s for a Bucks mm-hmm. offense, and and they didn't get the job done, and it almost cost them. Yeah, and the Bears up 10-0, by the way, 11-09 left in the second quarter. They just had a wow. nice little end around, go for a touchdown. So obviously, Bucks fans watching that one, hopeful for a good result there and hopeful for a Rams victory over the Cardinals tomorrow. Put them back in the conversation for the one seed. Paul, what do you think of that? Offense, defense, you and I talked about that a little bit. Do you play the blame game here or both sides just kind of equally to blame? Yeah, I don't think it's singular. I'm, I think there's plenty of blame on both sides of the ball and I think right. Scott would agree I mean of course the offense had opportunities and there's no excuse for them not executing and finishing them off um, but I also want to go back to your point John and I kind of want to take it a step further you're talking about how the offense they were so good in the first half and I think overall it is important to not be biased from what we saw most recently right because of how you have to remember how good they were in the first half as well and overall 33 points against the best defense in the NFL statistically. Still an excellent day. We saw a lot of really good process stuff in the first half. So, you know, overall, there's a lot of stuff to be encouraged by. They oh, yeah. clearly they clearly have answers to any type of coverage. In yes. the first half, they could not play that first half last year. Schematically, they did not have that in their arsenal. Great point. To me, I think their biggest issue, John, is kind of game management. And we've seen this with end of half stuff where managing timeouts and stuff like that. But I also think that applies to the entire second half where maybe Mm -hmm. they're playing, trying to run out the clock too early, right? Where it's a game management issue and that game management style is influencing their play calling. Right. And I think it's a good point. And real quickly, I'll add this because I know you got to get out of here, Paul, and I want to get your game balls real quick. But I will just say, I think the biggest part of it is not that they didn't score more points, period. I think it's that they didn't score more points given the opportunity to two I thought they had two golden opportunities to score points, and that's where it gets a little bit more frustrating. And going two for four in the red zone, although it's a good red zone defense, but you know you'd like to see you know that, that's their that's their area. That's where they want to finish better. Obviously, first and goal from the four, they want to finish a drive like that in the end zone. And so there's there's those little caveats. But I hear what you're saying. Thirty three points, yeah, you should be able to win games with thirty three points. But with this defense, that's where it gets questionable. Uh, Paul, your game balls, offense, defense, and if you have a special teamer, because I know you got to get out of here real quickly here. But I want to get your game balls here. All right, I don't have a special teamers. Uh, offense, I'll go with Mike Evans. A couple of incredible grabs. Yeah. I mean, great timing <laughs> with him and Brady. Just They're just totally on the same page. I'm happy that they were able to, I hopefully, definitively bust that narrative. Evans was just unbelievable today. Over the middle, catching fade balls, any type of play. And on defense, you know, I'm going to have to go back and watch the tape some more for sure. But initially, I'm going with Shaq Barrett. Definitely influenced a lot of plays in that he first did. half, right? He was he was a monster play after play, not even just like without even necessarily sacking the quarterback, mm-hmm. but just a great game by him. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to get another look at it properly, though, and, and get a better evaluation. 
Yeah, it could be crazy, man. We might see Mike Evans not be the 57th ranked receiver on Pro Football Focus this week in the entire <laughs> league. You know, maybe we'll see that happen. I don't know. We'll have to yeah. find out. But Paul, thank you for jumping in here, giving your insight. Great stuff on the live in-game stream as well. Looking Thanks, forward guys. to you and Appreciate I going to get some all 22 videos out there this week. I think show yes, the people sir. this victory. I think they'll be uh, excited to see that for sure. So thanks for dropping in with us. We appreciate it. Scott, the numbers are up there, man. And defensively, this was the tale of two halves. In the first yeah. half, it was shocking how dominant the Bucks defense was. And really, yeah. they could, I mean, the Bills could not, they did no answers at all to right. the pressures. I mean, he was bringing the slots and dropping the D tackles and sugar in the A gaps and then dropping those guys out and bringing the nickels. And I mean, it was yeah. everything like they would overload blitz on one side and bulls put out all the stops and it just floored Allen in the offensive line for a half. And then in the second half, almost none of it worked and they got shredded in almost every play. <laughs> yeah. It, it really was the, it was the tale of two halves. And, and, you know, I, I put this on, on the offense again for the three points, just because this is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, right? I mean, three points and a half is pathetic. It just is. Yeah. And 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 the thing is, is if if you're not gonna, if you're gonna, if you're not gonna continue drives, if you're gonna leave your defense out there, and, and if you look at the the final numbers of the uh the time of possession, you know, uh it's it was just about even. But I'll tell you, John. The Buccaneers were absolutely gassed. I was concerned with the Bills winning the coin toss and getting and getting the ball to start overtime. I was really concerned that they were going to march down the field and kick a field goal or, yeah. or a touchdown because of, of how the defense was gassed. And, and listen, it's so different when you're on the field rushing the passer as opposed to running the ball. And I think that, that the, the Bills did such a good job running the ball in the second half that um, – that it, it really stymied the Bucks' pass rush. I mean, when I was going back and looking at the fourth quarter rushes, um, you didn't see Josh Allen getting hit and flustered like he did in the first half. Um, mm. The Bills' offensive line kind of became a bit of a brick wall, and it was because the Bucks' pass rushers were just kind of worn out by the, the time of the fourth quarter. And when you when you get the ball run on you for 173 yards at 9.1 yards per carry – that's going to happen. The running game is nutrition-based attack. And when you can run it all four quarters, and the Bills certainly did that, thanks mostly to those Josh Allen scrambles and designed quarterback runs, yeah. it takes a toll. And, and it takes a toll not just with the Bills being able to run the ball, possess the ball, score points, yeah. but when the Bills want to throw it like they did at the end, there just wasn't a pass rush. And yeah. you, you saw – the Devin Whites and the Shaq Barretts who who lit up Allen for three sacks combined in the first half, just not get home in the second half. Yeah, for sure. And I want to get to some of the some people asking about the Mike Evans thing. No, I'm I'm dead serious. He's actually ranked 58th going into this game, 58th. So yeah. behind uh, Corey Davis, Cedric Wilson, Quez Watkins, Sammy Watkins, uh, yeah, Laquan Treadwell. Uh, anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> I digress. Tony Montana, greetings I digress. from Russia Tony Montana. with a $1,000 ruble. Yes, we appreciate Super it. Chat. Great stuff, Tony Montana, for sure. Scott, um, first of all, any, everybody in the chat right now, there's a ton of people in the chat. Let's get more people in the chat here. So everybody, yeah. if, you're in the, if you're in the chat, if you're watching the stream right now, 
please uh, watch us on YouTube if you can, obviously, but hit the thumbs up button, hit the like button yes. uh, on this thing so we can get that boosts our YouTube SEO. We get a bunch more people in here. So if everybody that's watching right now just hits that thumbs up button, we'll get a we'll, you'll see more people. This will show up yes. on more people's streams that are looking for boxing please, bills. Please, please. We content, appreciate so. it. It helps our algorithm big time. Thank you. And we appreciate the super chats as well. That's been absolutely clutch. I want to just touch on your point there. I think you bring up a great point about the Bucks' offense. You need to score more points, especially given some of the opportunities that they had. It does feel a little bit silly to be, you know, to be talking about the offense when they're up, you know, twenty four three and up twenty seven ten with ten minutes left in the game. Yeah. And uh, you know, yes, they could have done some things better at that point, but you need to win a football game. You're up twenty seven ten. The win probability was ninety nine percent. Oh yeah, situation. there's no doubt. And so, I, but I agree with you that the offense should shoulder yeah. some blame for that. And then, listen, I, I'm not letting the defense off the hook. No, right? no. I mean, it, we, we, we didn't see any takeaways in the second half. We didn't see any sacks in the, in the second half. Right. Um, it, but at the same time, when the offense, the offense generates that that amount of points in the first half, it shows you what they're capable of doing. Right. Right. Twenty four points in the first half. Like, yeah. And I have no clue, like what's score going two on field goals in the second half, and the game's over. You win right. thirty to, yeah. to twenty seven. Right. And and so you're right. That both sides deserve blame. I will say this yeah. about Tobble's defense. I just have no clue what that guy's doing thinking sometimes. Like you are spot <laughs> dropping cover three defense with yeah. a single high safety against the Bills, like yeah. trying to protect the lead. Like uh, going after him with eight guys, they're just like, come on, you don't think they've adjusted? Like it's the fourth yeah. quarter. You know, you're up 17 points. Like keep the ball in front of you. Like some of this stuff was just ridiculous. Like egregiously bad scheme in a lot of these situations. I also can't wait to rewatch this game and figure out who the heck was playing where. Cause felt like Richard Sherman was in at safety there at the end of a game. Was, yeah. What was. is going on there? Like nobody was hurt at safety. What Richard Sherman is the emergency safety. He's never yeah. played safety. And well, you was, have him it, in the game. Lately? Like it was interesting because Andrew Adams did a ton of blitzing this game. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, he was the strong safety in the box legitimately. I mean, this guy, yeah. I, I think is better as a, as a free safety uh, playing center field, but obviously that's Antoine Winfield's role when he's, when he's healthy yeah. and he was, but yeah, I mean, I was shocked at how often they blitzed a double a and he almost got home a couple of times. He had a nice pass break up. Yeah. 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 But, yeah I mean, but like I said, I love the game plan the first half. I love being aggressive, but the, the thing about it is, when you keep doing it when it's not working, when the other team's figured it out, right? Blitzes are only effective if, if from a mental perspective. Like if you, the other team figures them out, you're, you're not going to get home enough. And so, and they're going to have outlets too. The Bills got the ball out quicker in the second half. You yeah. know, they made more plays in the short intermediate areas of the field than they had in the first half. You know, Allen got out of play. And the other part of it was, it was crazy to me, Scott, was running yeah. stunts and twists with Vita Vea coming to the edge. And the, even at the end of the game on that last drive, like Allen is going to get out of the pocket and run on you. Like, yeah. I, you know, so there was egregious things schematically that, but I will say this bulls deserves just as much credit for the first half, which was brilliant because pressure really was nice. a constant. Allen had no idea what was coming. He was panicking and the Sherman interception was a duck. It was caused created yep. fully by the pressure up front. And when he is getting pressure, when it is hitting, man, I mean, the bucks defense is unbelievable, yep. When it is not, they are probably near the bottom of the league. It is truly totally dependent on what happens up front. Yeah, John, I really thought this was almost going to be like like the Bucks Super Bowl, right? I mean, it started off that way when they were just hounding Mahomes from the get-go, and they, they came out hounding Josh Allen from the get-go. But I I just – maybe this is a good wake-up call for this team, John. Maybe it's a situation where where they 
you know, they, they coasted a little bit. They, they took the foot off the gas a little bit. I mean, Devin White kind of alluded to that. Maybe he was speaking for himself. Uh, I'm sure there were some in there that weren't thinking that, but maybe enough of the players were thinking that, that they got this game won, that it was easy, and they, they let this team back in it. They just had some, some momentary lapses in coverage. They, they, didn't, they didn't rush the passer well in the second half. They didn't execute um, swimmingly well, including Tom Brady on the offensive side of the ball to maintain possession, to, to keep the chains moving, to put more points on the board. Yeah, this was just uh, in general uh, a bizarre game. I mean, Bills fans right now, I did not even expect this. This was I was on the live stream. I just did not was not in on my radar that Bills would fans and, and analysts would come out of this game blaming the officials for the outcome of the game. I, I just I wasn't on my radar. You know, I saw a couple calls that could have gone either way for both teams. I mean, yeah. you, you know, there were a couple on Carlton Davis that could have gone either way. There's one right. that's going around the internet where he's holding Diggs' jersey and stretching away from, him, but it doesn't show earlier in that route when Diggs actually shoved him off with one hand and, D- and Davis had to grab the jersey there. Right. So there was there was both back and forth there. I mean, you think about you the Gronkowski shot exactly down the right. sideline. Like, exactly that was right. – Dane Jackson I, I was love, all up in him. Like, he was grabbing him and everything. And, yeah. I mean, there was – I love when officials are watching the entire play and, and they're looking to see is there balance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a tug on the jersey, but is there a push off by the wide receiver? Yes. So I'm going to keep the flag in my pocket. I'm going to let him play, right? right. Like and there was I, some I, of that I'm, on both sides. Like there exactly, really was. Like, exactly. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty fairly officiated. I really yeah, did. I, I agree. Um, and the Chris Godwin, the play that almost got me, Scott, was the the one that's that Paul was talking about. Actually, that the play action shot to Chris Godwin that they went play action. Brady rolled out and they, he missed Godwin deep. Well, it was you know it was yeah. he didn't miss him. But Godwin got grabbed. Like he was right. behind the defense and the defender, like desperation, grabbed yep. him around the waist. That was the most egregious one I saw, and right. there was no call. And obviously, that was the result. The reason for the incompletion was because yep. of that penalty. That would have been a huge play. That game might have ended at that point. Um, so that was probably the biggest obvious missed call I saw. You know, Bills fans right. are groping that, and I'm normally like I said after the Cowboys one, I thought that Godwin play was a push off. Now there were calls both ways yep. right. at the end of the Cowboys game, but I really did not feel like the officials you know, illustrate, you know, orchestrated the outcome of this game for the Bucks at all. And I know that's right. going to be a storyline going around and I'll probably show some plays on social media this week, but I feel like that storyline is way off to me. Yeah. Speaking of, of, uh, storylines, um, I predicted 30 to 27 Buccaneers will win a shootout at the end. They won 33, 27. And, um, I won a massive amount of money on my bookie. I had Did you? Bets, like you would not believe John, I won 60 bucks today. Wow, you're yeah. on a roll lately. I won sixty freaking dollars. Um, I needed to start taking all your advice. I, I mean, I you know, here, here's the beauty of it. In overtime, Brady goes up for three hundred. I hit on that. Gronkowski catches a pass. I hit on that. Um, Gronkowski because he went from four catches to five. He also went from forty-eight to sixty-two. So he hit the over there. So I won on that. When Gabriel Davis. Went over two catches. I won $23.50. I knew Davis was going to have a huge day. Now, uh, I will say this. Did he? Um, he had a oh, touchdown. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that, that's huge for him because he's oh, like the five fourth receiver. Yeah, right? Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah but, but the thing is, if he had if he had more than one and a half catches, my $5 bet turned into $23.50. Now, my $5 bet, if Gabriel Davis would have had 100 yards and a touchdown in the game, 
I would have won three hundred and thirty dollars. Wow! So I'm glad that Davis didn't like go off with the game-winning touchdown, right. sixty yards, because then he finished with forty or something. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was a great day for me and my bookie. I was very happy with myself. That's wild. That's great. Uh, good for you. Yeah, and the Bucks obviously, you know, holding the. It was weird. I mean, holding Stephon Diggs, the seven catches for seventy-four yards. Yep. You know, he was the leading receiver for the Bills. Allen threw for three hundred eight yards, but it was really kind of evenly divided up. He also ran for one hundred nine right. yards. So. You know, he was uh, spectacular in the second half after really st- struggling through the first half, although I don't know how much it was his fault because he was absolutely under siege the entire first half, hard to do anything. Um, but, uh, you know, Fournette as well, adding his second 100-yard game of the year. And Scott is putting that $60 right into a muni financial hands. Yes, I will. Absolutely. No doubt. <laughs> so Love we are about – For the mention of our sponsors, that's great. That's right. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> We are getting a point, by the way, if you're in the chat and you are, uh, or you're watching the stream, uh, make sure you hit the thumbs up, get that like button, uh, hit that like button and uh, get us uh, your YouTube SEO buzzing a little bit here too. And if you're not subscribed to Peter Report TV, subscribe. We do this thing all the time. We're on uh, pregame. We do a live in-game stream. We do a post-game podcast. We'll be on tomorrow, 4 p.m. for another podcast. We'll be on Wednesday and Thursday Ooh, as well, 4 p.m. For podcast then, uh, this week, yeah. So we've got Victory Monday pods, yep. and we got pods all throughout the week, and we got all twenty-two videos breaking down the Bucks' performance as well. Dropping, we dropped two last week. I had one. Those were awesome. You and John, you and John, you and Paul did a fantastic job, John. Thank you. So here's the thing, too. At at four fifteen Eastern time tomorrow, right, fifteen minutes into our podcast, we're gonna be doing a roll call, where John's gonna be dropping some big time Bucks knowledge to entertain and inform you, and I'm gonna be putting your location up on the our uh, our our live feed here right during the podcast so we did this on monday it was a big hit i think we put up about 30 or 40 of them in about a minute or two yeah not just from florida john not just from different cities in florida right yeah. not just from different cities in the country we're talking about different countries around the world this is a worldwide right. international podcast thanks to you guys out there in Peter nation for for subscribing for watching for listening so make sure that you're with us here Monday at 4.15 and every Monday at 4.15 throughout the rest of the season. We're doing roll call. So what we do then is, is at the 4.15 mark, you're going to tell us where you're from. We're going to put it up on the screen and do that for about a minute or two. It's fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great time. So make sure you stop in here tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern. That's going to be a great podcast. All right, Scott, we got to get to our game balls on this show as we always do. We'll save a little bit of fodder for Monday's show. And yep. let's talk about our game balls presented by Manscaped here. Your balls will thank you. I don't know if the rest of the Pewter Report crew is jumping in here or not uh, tonight. Uh, so <laughs> we, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't John, know tell we'll us have... about Manscaped. What, what, yeah. what can people find? At, well, at they can find the performance package 4.0, Scott. That's, That's right. the best part about Manscaped. And uh, what, let's just talk about what we got here. The, the ball trimmer is the best part, right? Because if you want to be Manscaped, you want to be, you got to be clean and smooth all over. And the, and the ball trimmer does this for you, right? And the performance yes. package 4.0, it's quiet. This weed whacker, phenomenal. Yeah, the weed whacker 4.0. It's it's waterproof too. So you can take in the shower, great stuff. Uh, it's got the lights. You can see no snags, no nothing like that. Nice, clean, comfortable shave with it. And it's got that travel lock too. So you can put it in your bag and not worry about it buzzing and going off as well. You've got the crop preserver and the, the ball deodorant, uh, which are cl- absolutely clutch. Uh, the crop preserver and the crop reviver toner. Uh, it's they're gotta have it, man. Once you start, yeah. you're not gonna be able to stop doing it. I'm telling That's you, right. folks, they're unbelievable. Uh, they're clutch <laughs> items as good as it gets. Uh, so make sure you check those out. And then of course, you've got the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer as well. I mean, that 
that's the game changer right there. It gets up, yeah. it gets your nose hairs, your ear hairs, all of that stuff. Uh, and then you have the travel bag, the shed, the shed travel bag, yes. and you've got the Manscaped, the most comfortable boxer briefs in the world. Uh, no question yep. about it for Manscaped. You know what? So. I, I think I called this the Weed Whacker. This is the Lawnmower 4.0. Okay. This, this, oh, is, yes. the this has got to have it. Okay. Lawnmower yeah. 4.0. This, this is, you got to have this. You just do. It's a game yeah. changer. They sent this to us for free because we're promoting the product. Yep. Uh, I used it and I've, I've not stopped using it. It is a game yep. changer. I would not have purchased this. I'm just being honest. I would not have purchased this if I didn't try it for free. So please, please, please take my word for it. Take John's word for it. It is a game changer. Like I was a doubter until I used it. And once you do the same thing, you're going to be a believer. If you want to like kind of wade into the, the manscaped waters, get this, this is, uh, this is the, the, the weed whacker. Um, you stick it up your nose, stick it in your ears. It gets rid of the ear hairs, the nose hairs, no snags, no tears, nothing. Like I I'd sit there and pluck these nose hairs out. This thing is the best thing on the market. Now, the, the best thing about this, John, is, is not just the fact that you're going to get 20% off using promo code Pewter20 or the free shipping. We've got some Pewter Report t-shirts, so it, they can still get this stuff out to you by Christmas. We can still get these Pewter Report t-shirts out to you. This is our white one right here. We've got a, a black one. We've got a, a Pewter one as well. So if you want one of these awesome Pewter Report shirts, for Christmas as a gift or for yourself. All you have to do is take advantage of the offer, order at Manscaped, use promo code Pewter20, get the free shipping 20% off. Then when you get the email receipt, forward that to me at sr at pewterreport.com. sr yep. at pewterreport.com. Let me know what size shirt you want and what color. We'll ship it to you absolutely free. It's a fantastic offer. You're going to make some Buccaneer fans uh, life awesome for Christmas or for the holidays, yep. maybe even yourself. Yep, this will be a clutch one, so make sure you do that. And now let's get to our Pewter Report game balls for this one, presented by Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. You want me to go first here, Scott? Go for it, John. All right, all right. Offensively, you know, there were a lot of great performances in this game. We don't even talk about the offensive line now. Like, <laughs> It's like almost a given that they're going to yeah. ball out, uh, you know, and, and they really did for the most part. Bills actually brought a ton of pressure in this game. They tested them. They tested the communication. Not a lot of teams have have blitzed the box uh, but the offensive line played really well. But I'm going to go with Mike Evans as well, just because I think, you know, he's he had six targets in this game. He caught all six of them. You know, yeah. that's huge for him. I mean, there was a time when with Mike Evans was the biggest drawback, you know, not just because of drops. There were some drops, but there was also just the fact that he wasn't utilized like every other receiver in the league. Like most number one receivers get utilized in more than one way. Evans had just an absurd amount of his contract, uh, his, uh, his uh, targets come down the field like way more than any other number one wide receiver in the league. He was just getting, he was just a vertical shot guy. And yeah, to see how much he's developed as an all around player with Brady as his quarterback, there's just a lot more detail that was needed to be added to his game. And he's developed that it, in some ways. I wish he would have had a core, obviously he's produced just fine, but I wish he would have had a quarterback right. like Brady earlier in his career. Cause I think we would see a player that was already more complete, but like moving into the slot more the last couple of years and playing more from there and, where to be on his routes and when to expect the ball and some of these, but like all that level of detail that Brady brings to the game has helped Evan so much. And yeah. he was just outstanding in this game. I mean, two of the catches he made in this game were totally game changing plays on third downs. And um, so he absolutely deserves the game ball on offense, in my opinion. Um, defensively, this is where it gets a little bit trickier. Shaq Barrett was a good choice um, because he had the second half in this game, you know, 
there were some good things from just about everyone defensively in this game. There were some bad things from just yep. about everyone defensively. I'm going to give it to Antoine Winfield, though. I felt like he influenced the game with some of his pressures, but he was unbelievable and outstanding in run defense uh, as well. You know, there were some missed stops at times up front. He came flying in the gaps and he made stops in the open field that were really impressive. He chopped down Allen on a run that could have been a big gain. Um, so he, he took good angles as well. Right. Kept the lid on things in the passing game. You know, as much as the Bills may have gotten things going, a lot of it was short to intermediate. There was not the downfield throws. He's had a revolving door next to him at safety, revolving doors at cornerback in front of him. His communication, his maturity as a player, the fact that he just doesn't make mistakes, period. Like he just doesn't make mistakes, man. It's crazy for a second-year player to like never blow coverages yeah. or just he's never. He's such a so, solid pro. He really yeah, is. he's just such a good pro, and I yeah. think that it was huge to have him in this game. So I'm going to give the defensive ball to game ball to Antoine Winfield. And I got to add this, got special teams. Grant Stewart was baller. And I, there's oh, another yeah. special team I'm going to leave for you because I know you probably wouldn't say it. But Grant Seward was a baller tonight, man. What a, a couple tackles on special teams. He brought the energy. He's starting to cement himself as this team's best special yeah. teamer. This He's season. like a special team as an ace. I think we can say that. Like he really we is, knew that was going to happen, too, didn't yes. we? Yes. <laughs> he was going to make some guys team. just look like it, man. <laughs> he was going to make his mark on special teams and coverage, John. You're exactly right. Yeah. So um, my game ball, and, and folks, we're going to have J.C. Allen up next and then Casey Hudson to round out the show. I've got to dip out here, but my game ball uh, on offense, presented by Manscaped, of course, is going to go to Leonard Fournette. I love wow. this. I love how this guy is really churning and burning on the ground now. That was a hell of a touchdown run. He was uh, apparently what they're saying. Uh, he was the fastest player on on Sunday in terms of hitting a top speed. Uh, oh I don't know what the speed was, but. But Lenny had some wheels and that touchdown run. So uh, that really got things started. He, he went over 100 yards uh, again, second time this season where he's had 100 yards. And and I, I just think Fournette has, has really become um, that three-down player. And this is nothing new, right? I mean, he's been three-down player all along. But with Giovanni, Giovanni Bernard having a hip injury that I think is somewhat serious, the fact he was carted off, um, you're going to see a hell of a lot more Fournette from here on out, uh, you know, with no Gio Bernard out there and Ronald Jones not being a factor on third downs. Uh, this is going to be the Leonard Fournette show on downs one, two, and three going forward. So I'm going to give it to Fournette having a, a big game with uh, with a touchdown there. And, and here's the thing. I would have won $67.50 if Fournette had scored that touchdown because um, <laughs> there was a, a prop bet where if he would have scored two touchdowns and 100 yards, I would have hit 67.50 on my $5 bet. So Tom Brady cost me some money there, but that's okay. We'll, we'll let that slide. Defensively, it was not a perfect game. I don't know if this guy is is ever going to have a perfect game, John. But I like the fact that Devin White didn't miss the sacks today. He had one and a half sacks, 10 tackles. It wasn't perfect, but it was good enough. Uh, were there some mistakes? Yeah, there were. I saw some live. I'm going to see some. They're probably going to make me cringe a little bit. When I go back and watch the tape, but this guy, <laughs> that's well said. Um, yeah, but this guy came in with two sacks, added another sack and a half. All we wanted to see, John, from Devin White in the second half of the season is some splash plays, right? He's a mm -hmm. splashy player, you know, and this should be the stable, right? This should be two splash plays a game and at least 10 tackles. And I think he's checking that box. Is he, is he leaving some boxes unchecked? Yes, he is, but he's checking the boxes he needs to check. I hope this guy continues to get better. He needs to get better 
for the Buccaneers, but he's playing better now than he did in the first half of the season, so we'll give him credit for that. Special team-wise, you know, you know, Pat O'Connor, big number 79, yes. sniffing yes. out the fake punts. What are you what doing? What are you doing <laughs> trying to run a fake on Pat O'Connor? It's not happening. You, you don't do that to Pat O'Connor. You right. don't do it. You don't. Pat O'Connor's going to get you, and he did. You got to know better than that. Oh, man. you yeah. got to know better, John. Yeah. God. He and Grant Stewart, man, they've been the special teams aces for this team this season. And yeah, both made a bunch of plays today. So great play by Pat O'Connor for sure. No question yeah. about it. Those are good game balls right there. Uh, it's, it feels good to give them out after a victory instead of a. A comeback a loss uh, at the hands of the Buffalo Bills for sure. So, Scott, appreciate you jumping in here and giving your thoughts on all this stuff. Now, JC Allen in the chat, and we got to go back to the game balls for you, JC. But first, I got to ask you, man, I didn't know what you were thinking about uh, that uh, half there because uh, Ross Cocker was involved in a lot of plays. And so I didn't know if you were enjoying that or <laughs> how you were. Yeah. Good old Ross Cocker, right? <laughs> yeah. He made yeah. a couple plays out there today. Not, he not a couple he plays. Didn't get, he didn't get he my almost had a pick. They threw it right to he was in tight coverage on Cole Beasley. And how many how many of those has he had this season? <laughs> yeah, he's had a lot of almost plays for sure. Yeah. No question. He's he's a glue guy, but today was tough. He was having a rough go of it out there. I, I gotta rewatch this game, man. Like this game was a blur. Both teams used tempo a lot, and I have no clue what happened in this guy. I gotta I can't wait to look at the tape. It felt like there was a hundred plays in this game, like for it each was, team. It was long. It was a long. It felt like the first half kind yeah. of went by a little quick, right? And it was like, you know. Well, the, the end right. of the half was slow, though, right? Because the they the half, switched possessions so many times. It yeah, felt like three, a basketball. Three possessions in the last minute and a half with all the timeouts being used. Yeah, it felt like a basketball game. I was, yeah. <laughs> it was like, what's going on here? It's like there's a minute left and it turns in like 10 minutes. And that's what it felt like with the two minutes. But, you know, the, it started getting going. You know, I was, I'm right in my gamer. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm good here. I'm good here. Then that second half was just absolutely atrocious. Um, the Bucks did exactly what they needed to do, right? That Aaron, I think if that Aaron snap didn't happen, the offense was probably going to get going. But you saw right after that, they were able to turn it on, get a big lead, uh, limit what the what the Bills defense does best, and and that's really get after you. They got the running game going, and it looked really good. The defense was was causing play, uh, causing pressure and causing plays, turnover by Richard Sherman. And then I don't know what happened in the second half. If they just sat back and said, "Oh, we got this," and just kind yeah. of, you know. <laughs> That's very uncharistic of of a Tom Brady team. Uh, you got to. Well, he doesn't play defense. So. <laughs> what? No, I said he doesn't play defense. Though I mean, Bulls tried to get after Allen still, but the blitzes once they got figured out, it was just yeah, a lot of lot of lot of opportunities and coverage to, for Bills receivers that were pretty wide open. So again, I got to go back and, and get wrap my mind around this game a little bit for sure because this was absolutely nuts. Let's talk about Brashad Perryman though, JC, because we haven't really talked about that yet on the show. So just crazy arc, right? Okay, Brashad Perriman's been out here for a couple games now. He played 59 snaps in the last game and didn't get caught one pass for five yards, dropped another one. Like it was just a nothing performance, you know. And it was like, why is this guy playing 59 snaps? You know, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson are out here. And I actually think he played less today. Well, they might have more overall snaps, but I think he played a lower percentage today, I think, because Tyler Johnson played more in this game. Scotty Miller was inactive. I think everybody in the Pewter Report staff probably disagreed with that decision. I think pretty much all Bucks fans disagreed with that decision. I don't think that this the result of this game and how it ended should change that disagreement, by the way. I should preface that. Right now, I'm getting a lot of credit on Twitter for some for saying for tweeting before the game. We'll say this about Perryman. 
pretty much every time in his career when everyone has been ready to put the last nail in his coffin, he's shown the flashes again. Big opportunity for him today. I get it, but like I was just commenting on his career. Like I appreciate the props from people, but I was just commenting on his career up to this point. I would not have bet on Brashad Perryman being a big impact player in this game. And yet there he was at the end of the game for his first catch of the game, the 58 yarder going down the field for the game winner. I mean, I'm not saying it was the right decision to bet Scotty, but Perryman made it. Bruce looked good with that final play at the end. Well, Bruce always, he's got these guys that he loves, right? Like Pierre Desir has been playing really good ball. He was a healthy scratch today for Dito Haney. <laughs> uh, but, but Rashad Perriman, I mean, he talked about it too in the press conference. He, he likes the size. He likes, you know, his ability to block. Uh, and I think that's, get, that's why he's started the game over, yeah. uh, over Scotty Miller. But yeah, you talk about a career, obviously a hot end in Tampa that he went and made right. what, $12 million next year right. to do anything. Uh, but yeah, crazy arc. And, and for him to catch that ball, and, and it's Tom's 700th career touchdown. Crazy, yeah. you know, on it a walk-off overtime touchdown, 58 yards. And Tom was like, I just caught him out of the corner of my eye. Saw he was open. I was going to Evans, and, and there you go. There you have it. He just won in a foot race all the way down, scored a touchdown, game over. He's the hero. He, he's the hero of this week. The unlikeliest heroes of all right. are <laughs> Sherman with the interception, but, you know, and then Brashad Perriman with the touchdown to seal the victory. Yeah. Yeah, some unlikely heroes in this one for sure. Casey Hudson in the in, on the show here. <laughs> Casey, did you not know you were even on here? No, I didn't even realize. Yeah, I was, you're just I was so involved in JC's, like what he was saying. And I was That's like, right. yeah, you go, Rashad Perryman vibe in UCF. We love it. All right. Oh, great. how we'll talk about it. it. Casey called it. In That's 10 right. seconds. Casey, she wrote this week, y'all slandered her first article for Pewter Report. She said, listen, just give this guy a little bit more of a chance. Prophetic word. I was manifesting because I didn't want to embarrass myself. That was a bit of a limb for a first article to go to bat for Sean Merriman. So, yeah, yeah, that was that was a challenge. Thank you guys for that one. So I had to make make a good point. And then I had that I had to have that point come to life. So. I'm really glad Rochelle Perriman did me a favor tonight. And um, yeah, that's as you called it too, like minutes before. Okay, no joke, guys, because Matt and I kept chatting in the press box the whole time. The first half, I was like, "Do you think they break 30 points?" Because things just started looking weird. So Mm. Matt's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, they definitely break 30 points," and it didn't happen. Then third quarter, he was like, "Okay, they'll break 30 here." And then so him and I just kept having these little bets back and forth throughout the game. And then when they got the ball in overtime, <laughs> I look at Matt and I was like, all I need is a 43-yard uh, touchdown, Brashad Perryman. And he goes, well, it's a lot more than 43 yards, Case. And I was like, okay, Brashad Perryman takes it to the house. And as soon as I say that, Tom Brady throws the ball to Brashad Perriman, And Matt and I are like trying to see the jersey number. And we're like, is that the number? Is that the number? And then somebody goes, Brashad Perriman, And we're like, he's going, he's going, he's going. And then he gets a touchdown and we're just start screaming. And you're not allowed to really cheer in the press box, but yeah, everybody no. was freaking out. Really? And then I was like, I can't believe I just called that. Brashad Perriman awesome. took it to the house. Oh, and man. So you called it twice. I got to clip John's recording too. John with one of the best Gene Deckerhoffs I've ever heard listening to him on the, on the live game pod. Here's at the 10, the, five, the touchdown. Boom. It was great. I got to record Brought that. the energy. For calling a long shot. 
Thanks, Glazer. Hype Look, yeah, here's the only thing point, that yeah. I will say why I had yeah. a little bit of confidence behind this long shot is because in all reality, nobody, a lot of these guys will never get an opportunity to play with a quarterback like Tom Brady in their life. Right. And Leonard Fournette this week also posted like a funny meme about what it's like to catch a ball from Tom Brady. <laughs> to have all your fingers at the end of the day is an accomplishment. So just imagine Brashad Perriman having so much speed to, you know, match up with Tom Brady's ball, even though he throws a fast ball. That just, I don't know, that takes some time. So I think he was just getting acclimated with Brady's style and Brady's speed and all that other stuff. But you don't catch those kind of balls and become so insignificant with a team like this. Like, at that point, retire. The craziest thing, too, we talk about Tom Brady's ball speed. At the age of 44, he's still zipping in there where where – where wide receivers are having trouble catching yeah. it. No, Leonard Fournette, perfect example. Want to catch a Tom Brady ball. off of his hands. Like, it's just insane the level that this guy is playing at at his age. Yeah, Ridiculous. it is. It's absolutely crazy. Charlie with a good point. Still thinks Scotty Miller needs to play more. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't think that has to change your priors. You know, it's one one catch in the game in an overtime for Perry. I mean, it went four quarters without a catch with just one target. Uh, and obviously Tyler Johnson had a couple catches, but neither uh, nobody in the wide receiver three spot is making a huge impact right now for the Bucs. Yeah. That's just the reality. You, you know, know, Perryman made a great play when it counted in the home run plays. That's what you talk about with Scotty Miller. Well, Perryman hadn't made him count and he made a count in this one. So I give him credit. I don't think it has to change your perspective moving forward. It wasn't that kind of a performance. If you think Miller should play more, Johnson should play more, or Darden, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it has to change that, but. You can guarantee I, we won't be seeing Scotty Miller next week. <laughs> I don't think he does. I think we, we talked about this, this too in the in the. I brought it up in the pregame. You know, when AB comes back in two weeks, what or yeah, in two weeks, who's the guy? Who's the odd guy off the roster? And yeah. after listening to Bruce Arians talk about you know Brashad Perriman and his blocking ability and what he offers as a as a bigger wide receiver out there, I'm curious to rewatch this game and really have you dive into this game and see how involved Brashad Perriman is blocking on on the running plays to see if that's something that he's going to value more once AB's back over Scotty Miller's speed. It's going to be really interesting how that plays out, how they handle that, or do they go seven wide receivers? They did it earlier. Do they do it again? Like, that's the question I have. Yeah, I mean, next week against the Saints is a huge game, obviously. The Bucs are probably, I'm imagining, I haven't looked, but I think they can win the division if they win that game, unless I'm forgetting something. Um, And so that's obviously going to be a lot on the line. Saints obviously struggling right now, but they did plot a big victory over the Jets today to snap that losing streak that they were on. It's the Jets. Big victory. Um, Yeah, and then the Jets, uh, the Bucs play the Panthers twice in the Jets. The Panthers look pretty lost right now as an organization. They don't know what they are trying to do. It might be P.J. Walker time by the time those games happen. And so we'll see. But again, the slate is favorable for the Bucs to finish uh, uh, with uh, several wins to finish. That would be game winning streak i think going into the playoffs if they can finish this thing so obviously that slate looks good and, and getting mike edwards and antonio brown back in the fold uh if assuming that they are back in the fold and antonio brown isn't cut uh, will obviously help a lot as well so um yeah there's there's plenty to look at in this game and be optimistic about moving forward also plenty to still be curious about if this team can put it together and, and do this thing but you do remember 33 points against this defense without Antonio Brown and what he can add to that team. If he does indeed come back, uh, we'll see. So uh, that's something to take into consideration here as well. Okay, let's do it. Let's talk about Manscaped game balls here from JC and from Casey. Let's <laughs> talk about it first. Let's go, Casey. Why don't you present game ball presented by Manscaped? Why don't you present Everyone your already, game balls here first? Everyone's already taking my game balls already. Might as well let Casey take them too. Go ahead. That's right. That's what I, I thought. Let's put you in the hardest, the worst situation possible, JC. Who everybody, who everybody um, picked. But, okay, so, of course, 
It, you can pick whoever you want. It could be a repeat. My offensive I, I repeated. game ball is going to Brashad Perriman because, yeah. come on. Who would have thought that I would be sitting there begging for that to happen and then it yeah. happened? I just, I got to stick with it. Um, and then just kind of also balancing off of you guys' points, I don't think that he's particularly secured the, you know, the wide receiver three slot. I think it just comes down to what they need in that present moment. Um, a lot of it particularly was supposed to just be who could be the next guy that could present the kind of speed that Antonio Brown presents. And mm -hmm. even though Scotty Miller's got a similar build, Rashad Perriman is faster. So I think it's just that acclimation period and then his ability to block as well. So I would be excited to see how much he's contributing blocking. And um, I really want to see what coach Arians isn't seeing in Scotty Miller in practice versus Rashad Perriman, but game ball offensively will go to him. Uh, for defense, yeah, I'm a little tricky. torn here. Carlton Davis was all over the place. He um, played pretty well, yeah, yeah. He did, yeah. I think he did a, a pretty good job. But as much as he, he's a bit of a, a interesting human being. Two sacks for Devin White, and then some. Josh Allen is is a beast to bring down. The guy is six yeah. five, two hundred and thirty something pounds. He's built like a tight end and runs like a wide receiver, and that's that's a lot to keep up with. So uh, I guess I got to give it to Devin White. Yeah. Defense today. yeah i understand that one for sure he he did make some plays in this game no question you know that's always going to be a little bit of a ride roller coaster ride with Devin white no doubt about that jc yeah. what do you got so far for your game balls here so who's your offensive game ball i know scott's was leonard mine yeah uh, uh paul and i both chose mike evans okay that puts me in a little bit of a spot um, here you got I was going to yes. go Leonard Fournette. Okay. You know, I, I said Not Leonard Fournette wouldn't get more than sixty yards. He goes right. off and scores a hundred, gets one hundred and seven. Yeah. You know, but I'm torn here between two players because one of them, obviously, you know, yeah. he's 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 a goat. He's amazing. Yeah. But another right. one had another consistently amazing game. You mm -hmm. know, so I, I almost want to split this game ball in half for offense. And I'm going to give it to both of these guys. You can't oh, ride the fence, Casey. I yeah, love shocked. to ride the fence. Aren't you shocked, Casey, that he's riding no, the fence? Unbelievable. I'm going to give it to Tom Brady. All right? I'm going to give it to Tom Brady. 700 career go. touchdown. Good. Leads there the game-winning drive. Uh, yeah. You know, he's just – Tom Brady does Tom Brady things. All-time completion leader. It's Tom Brady. It's Tom freaking Brady. He's a GOAT. Yeah. He just does amazing things, and you can never be counted out. Even if he plays bad, if the defense plays bad, if the team plays bad – he always gives you at least a shot, and that's exactly what he did. Delivered a perfect strike to Brashad Perriman. Brashad Perriman won in a yeah. foot race, touchdown, 700th. He didn't give it away, so props to Perriman for that. Um, no but I wanted to give it to Godwin, too. I just want to throw a shout-out to Godwin. 10 catches, 105 yards. He's a machine. Over 1,000 yards in the season. He's just an absolute machine. All right, Matt Matera's yeah. in here waiting to get in here, and you're out here taking all the game balls and talking. I mean, like, leave this guy something. Come on. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I didn't know Matt was coming in here. He's a late arrival. Um, so defense, I wanted to take Antoine Winfield because, yeah, everything you said, absolutely. Devin White was my backup. Casey tweeted the game with, the, with Devin White got a new new pony. <laughs> Josh oh, Allen. You saw that? Rock, riding him. <laughs> Devin White adopted a new – I said stallion at least. I didn't call stallion. him a pony okay. because he's a big guy. But, yeah, Devin White yeah. got a new – a new animal in the stables today. <laughs> but I'm going to go with Ross Cockrell. We'll go with Ross Cockrell. Oh, here, you know, you gotta be kidding no, me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to give it to Richard Sherman here. I mean, Richard Sherman comes yeah. in, hasn't played. You know, he's, yeah, he's in a, playing, playing a tough spot, comes up with a big pick, mm. had a pass deflection, uh, yeah. and also, you know, a, a good rush, uh, a good blitz on a play as well. Uh, right. Didn't quite get there, but 
Um, I'm going to give it to Richard Sherman just for, just because I, I you know, kudos right. to him. You know, we'll, right. we'll give him we'll give him something. Yeah, yeah no, for just sure. Just to clarify, because somebody put it in the comments, I think Shimmy was like, Scotty's faster than Perriman at Casey. Actually, Scotty Miller runs a 4.36. Perriman runs anywhere between a 4.19 and a 4.25. So, yes, Perriman is faster. Ooh, I wow. her golden night over her man. Oh my Casey's torn. Dropping knowledge. In I'm the like, chat. I didn't get these numbers out of anywhere, so I just want them to know. Yes. I, I right can't. off the top of her head, just boom. Casey's <laughs> like, so long, Scotty BP. You're my guy. Wow, no, I that's... still you guys know Scotty's my my dude. Scott, you know, we know, yeah, we know. Oh, but no, dropping yeah. the knowledge on the 40s like that, I, I that's impressive <laughs> stuff. That, Shut him down real quick in the chat. I will say this: BP's forty was a lot longer ago than Scotty's, so I don't know what he's running these days. But That's he looked true. pretty fast. He looked pretty I love, fast. They need so. to make him race at practice. I would, but. I would love to see a race, no question about it. I think that would be very entertaining. I, both guys certainly burners. You know, Perryman never feels like he's played as fast as Scotty played last year, at mm -hmm. least. But you're right. I mean, forty yard dash. He for Perryman ran at his pro day. I think Scotty ran at a pro day too. I don't think Scotty yeah. was invited to the combine. Scotty's so. was a pro day. Yeah, both it's just crazy because Perryman's slowest time was like Scotty's fastest time too. So yeah, or, really or faster than yeah. Perryman. Yeah. There were some people that had a four one nine at that pro day. I'll never forget the tweets from that pro day. And we knew he was going first round after that pro day because it was it was that unreal how fast he was in his body, obviously, but. Just yeah. never obviously materialized in there. A very good all-around player, but um, <laughs> made the play today. So that's what counts. All right. Uh, we appreciate both of you jumping in here uh, and giving your thoughts and giving your game balls here because uh, that was some good stuff. No question about it. And, you know, it's also some good stuff over at Pin Chasers because, uh, yeah, you get uh, a great night of bowling. You get to have food. You get to have fun. You get to have fun with your family a lot of the time. Matt Matera, talk to me about Pin Chasers, man. This is the place to be, isn't it? That's right. And we have the Pewter Report Bowling League going on right now every Wednesday. And uh, the great thing about Pin Chasers is that they have so many different events going on that there's essentially something that you can go to each night. Uh, they got all-you-can-eat pizza for $11.99. They got on Tuesdays, they have uh, all-you-could-bowl for $11.99 and $1 Miller Lights on Thursday. So you can go watch Thursday Night Football and uh, bowl all at the same time. Their restaurant is great. Their, their grill. Um, they have breakfast food as well, too, that you can have at any time. So it's just a very fun experience for anyone that wants to go uh, with a group of friends or, or bring their family out. And uh, the owners are Buccaneers fans as well. So you'd be supporting fellow Bucks fans by going to Pin Chasers. Uh, they have multiple locations, as you could see um, on the sign and everything yeah. uh, on, the, on the podcast right now. And uh, make sure you go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane or book a party. Hey, and if you're looking for more opportunities for a nice night out, head on over to Whiskey Wings in Temple Terrace. They've got great wings. They've got a wing night, too. Uh, you can check it out, whiskeywings.com. But North 56th Street in Temple Terrace, I'm telling you, this buffalo chicken sandwich is to die for. I had their barbecue sliders last time I was there. So good. Uh, so it's a great place to get something to eat. Indoor, outdoor bar. They've got tons of screens. It's a great clean atmosphere, great service. Whiskey Wings in Temple Terrace, man. It's I'm telling you, it's an awesome place. I think you all will love it. Uh, if you get a chance to check it out, please. Uh, do so as well by the way right now the bears and the packers are in a shootout <laughs> every john every time I lift my, here, like I'm, I'm writing and uh, i'm doing stuff for pewter report and every time i lift my head up the score has changed it's crazy <laughs> i don't know what's going on the bears are finding ways to get 24 points in the first half against the packers and the packers just scored in a four play 75 yard drive 48 seconds before the half the bears are gonna have one more chance i did not expect a shootout in this game 
uh, at all. But the Packers offense looks like they found their way. Certainly, obviously, Bucks fans pulling for the Bears to come up with the upset here. And they've got some ingredients <laughs> for it so far with the way this game's unfolded. But let's get to your game balls here, Matt, because I know we want to get out of here and, and want to get you want to get home as well because you're still at the stadium. But Manscaped <laughs> game balls, uh, your balls will thank you. Uh, presented by Manscaped. What do you got here? Offense, defense? Well, first, actually, give us your game balls. But first, tell me you're in the stadium. This is a huge game, right? Regular yeah. season game for the Bucks at home against the Bills. A lot of people saw this game when they when the schedule came out as a Super Bowl preview, and maybe it still is. We don't know. The Bills obviously fall to seven and six. They haven't had a lot of close games go their way, but that's still a freaking good football team with Josh Allen at quarterback. No question about that. But what was the reaction in the stadium when BP scores at the end of the game and throughout the game? I know there was a lot of Bills mafia there, but they're obviously always going to travel. Were Bucks yeah. fans well represented? Oh, uh, yes. I, I was actually going into this game because just around town the whole weekend, I saw Bills fans everywhere in different parts of Tampa. So going into it, I was like, uh, this might be like 50-50 Bills fans and Bucks fans. But um, the Bucks fans did show up and they were making noise. And that's pretty much all you heard for the first half, obviously, because the Bills weren't doing anything. Um, it was a raucous crowd. Uh, the sound that everyone was making and going crazy with when uh, when – Perryman scored the touchdown was just so awesome. And they scored in the end zone, like right where we sit in the press box. So we saw it all down below. It was almost like a giant mosh pit. Players started high-fiving the fans in the back of the end zone. And everyone was like gathering together. So um, it was a really fun experience to see. And the crowd was was live yeah. the whole time from beginning to That's end. Awesome. For really for both teams. Right. Um, yeah. Transitioning to the game balls uh, for offense. JC had mentioned him before, but he had already picked Brady. So the guy I was going to go with originally um, was Chris Godwin. He's just automatic, 10 receptions, over 100 yards. Again, uh, they love throwing that screen to him, and um, he's done a great job of uh, of taking it up the field. He's a very reliable guy. You can hit him over the middle. You can hit him down the field. He does a little bit of everything for, this buck, for the Bucks offense, and he's versatile as well. Um, so shout out to Chris Godwin. I thought he played great. Uh, defensively, I'm going to assume someone already took Shaq Barrett or else it would be Shaq because in big games, they did, your, but you're, you're welcome to do it. Yeah. yeah. In Double big up. games, you need your best pass rusher to show up. And, um, the bucks, especially in the first half did a good job of getting to Josh Allen and they really made Josh Allen work for everything, whether it was scrambling or some of his design run plays, they didn't make life too easy for Josh Allen. But Shaq was, uh, you know, a big part of that in the middle. And then um, another person I just want to mention as well is uh, I thought Andrew Adams, anytime he was blitzing after the mm -hmm. quarterback, yeah, I thought he was very solid. He had a pass breakup. He was involved on one of the first, uh, first or second sacks of the game. And uh, every time he was around the line of scrimmage, he was making plays. So I thought he played very well, too, in a role where obviously um, the Bucs need someone to step up with uh, Jordan Whitehead out and, and Mike Edwards suspended. And I thought Andrew Adams uh, played quite yeah. well today. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, the Bucks got some people to step up defensively, and obviously it's going to be a key moving forward. We'll see what happens with Jordan Whitehead. He hasn't been placed on IR, so the team obviously optimistic he'll be back. But will it be this week against the Saints? Don't know. But the Bucks four games to close it out. The Saints at home next week. A great opportunity to win the NFC South, to move to 11-3. and three. And then you're looking at a three-game slate with the Panthers, the Jets, and then the Panthers again to finish off the season. Three struggle or two struggling teams getting the Panthers twice, obviously. And so 
Uh, they'll have their eye on this game, uh, hoping that the Bears can pull it out over the Packers. They'll have an eye on the the Rams game, obviously uh, tomorrow night, hoping that they uh, the the Rams can beat the Cardinals and allow the Bucks to be able to have a shot at that one seed. Obviously, is going to be critical and something that that team still is in eyeing play. Up. Yeah, it's still in play, absolutely, uh, and it probably will be in play with the Cardinals' remaining schedule and the Bucks' remaining schedule. It'll probably be in play most of the rest of the way too. So, great victory for the Bucks. Obviously, in this one, they get to ten and three. They're close to cl- to capturing that NFC South crown for the first time in a long time. So yep. it's exciting stuff. Matt, appreciate you jumping in. I appreciate everybody in the chat. Again, hit that like button. Hit that thumbs up uh, before you leave the chat. Uh, let people know. Spread the word about the Pewter Report postgame podcast and where you can subscribe, Pewter Report TV as well. We appreciate you all, and we'll catch you all tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern, for the Victory Monday podcast here on the Pewter Report TV. And thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Still a long way to go.